As uh, they're collecting the offering, as you're putting in uh, your tithes and offerings and your communication card, I invite you also to grab your Bible, if you would, and turn to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. It's where we're going to be today. If you uh, find a blue Bible close to you and you're going to use that, it will be on page 684. And if you have a blue Bible that you're not going to use, you might make sure people up and down the row or in front of you or behind you don't need that as well, and that way we can all follow along together this morning. Um, I start by telling you a story that comedian uh, Carl Hurley tells. He tells a story about trying to throw away a trash can. He said, it's the one thing you can't get the garbage man to pick up. I set out an old rusty garbage can out on the street one morning thinking that the garbage man would understand that it needed to be thrown away. And when I came back that afternoon, the can was stacked up with the rest of my empty trash cans. Well, the next week I put it out again, and this time I turned it upside down so they would see that the bottom had several holes, that it was rusty, and it obviously needed to be thrown away. And when I came back home, it was stacked up next to my empty trash cans. The next week, I took a sledgehammer, and I beat the can in pretty good, and I left it out front. And when I came home, not only was it stacked up with the other empty trash cans, but the garbage man had actually tried to beat it back into shape for me. (laughs) And so, he said... I finally did the only thing I could do. I went to the hardware store, and I bought a heavy-duty chain and a big padlock. I chained the old can to the large tree in my front yard, and sure enough, that night, someone stole it. (laughs) Now, that's funny, but what I want to propose to you today, as we talk about the subject of worry, that worry is a lot like a trash can. We know we need to get rid of it, but it's not that easy to accomplish. The Bible talks about worry, and we're going to look at it this morning. I invite you to look with me at Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Jesus says these words during his uh, Sermon on the Mount. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. In verse 33, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, there are a lot of things in those ten verses that we could talk about. Jesus starts this little section by using the word therefore. And what do we do, church, when we see the word therefore? We ask, what's it there for, right? We just have to ask, what's Jesus talking about? Well, if you jump back up into verses 19 through 21, uh, you see what Jesus is talking about. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy And where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you jump down to verse 24, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is talking about uh, material things here, and he says, 
Therefore, since you cannot serve both God and money, don't worry. Because he's talking about serving God, right? And so since we can't do both of those, then don't worry uh, about these things. And at the end, he says, therefore, again, in verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow. Why is that therefore? What's it therefore? Well, because of what God has done, and he just talked about that, and we'll look at that again a little bit in a few moments, but he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry about itself, right? So, so Jesus is talking to us, and he tells us not to worry. So, don't worry. Are we good? <laughs> That's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, if we're just being really honest and really transparent, it's a lot easier to say don't worry than it is to, don't, to not worry, right? Don't worry. I, I have to tell you that, that this message series that we've been in, Seek First, has been challenging. And this is another one of those challenging messages for me because I don't want to stand up here and give some flippant uh, answer that's, that's incomplete or unsatisfying. And I really don't know that I can stand up here and give you an answer today because in, in my study, as I labored through this text and I prepared for today, I, I really, you know, just came to realize once again that I don't have this figured out in my life. I, I'm not all the way on top of this either. I know what Jesus says. I believe it. I'm working on it. But I still worry. And my guess is, so do you, right? My guess is that all of us worry. See, the truth of the matter is this. We worry about things. And if you want to write down a few blanks in your bulletin, I'm going to invite you to do that. We worry about things. This past week, I spent zero dollars and did a completely non-scientific study when I got on the old-fashioned uh, website Facebook and posted a question to my friends and asked them, what do you worry about? And before I did that, to kind of make it a little more interesting for me, before I posted the question, I made my own list. And it's a list that's going to fly up here on the screen behind you. This is my list of things that I worry about or I have worried about. So I'd like to say I don't worry about, but the reality is I, I do. Money, kids, future, health, job. My parents, as they age, especially because I live so far away from them. I worry about being a good husband and a good father, being a good friend. Success and significance and making a difference and getting it all done and doing the right thing and setting a good example. My, list, my, my guess is if you were to make a list for yourself, it would probably be pretty similar to my list. When I did this unofficial survey and I looked at the responses that I received from people and I, then I tallied them up, here were the results Money was the top worry-getter of the people who responded on Facebook. So I felt better about my worry? I don't know if that makes any sense. Followed closely by number two, children. And what's interesting is a lot of times you worry about kids if you have kids. You worry about having kids if you don't have kids. If you want kids and don't have kids, you're worried about if you'll ever have kids. And we just worry about kids regardless, whether you have them or not is the point. We worry about children, kids. Health came in third. Worry about our health, the health of the people we love, uh, just health in general. Followed by the future came in number four in my unofficial survey, um, especially in light of, of what's going on in our, in our society, in our culture, in our, in our region, in our nation, in the world. We, we worry about the things that are going on. We worry about the future for us. We worry about the future for our kids. goes back to that. We worry if we're going to have enough money in the future. We worry if we're going to be healthy. It all kind of ties in together. We worry about family came in next. Again, all kind of related. 
We worry about relationships, whether we have a relationship with our spouse or our kids. We want a relationship with someone. We, we worry about relationships. We worry about meeting expectations. That was the next one on the list. Meeting expectations in your job, at your school, with the people you work with, with your peers. We just kind of worry about living up and measuring up to the, to the things around us. One person summed it up nicely in the survey when they responded with everything. And I was like, oh, I appreciate that, right? Not to be outdone by the few people who said nothing. They worry about nothing. And one person adding, well, it's a sin to worry. And I'm like, well, thank you for that bit of encouragement. Now we get to worry about worry, right? <sighs> There's always one, right? Um, so, audience participation. What do you worry about? What are some things you would add to the list or confirm on the list? What do you worry about? Just shout it out. College. College. Yeah? Job. Debt or death? death? Death. All right. What's that? Violence. World peace. We need a panel up here? For, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. We're, things going on. What, what else do you worry about? You ever just worry internally about you? All the time, I think I heard somebody say. Yeah, I, Man, we, we worry. We worry a lot. We worry often. We worry about everything. I think it's safe to say that worrying is pretty universal. We all, we all worry. To me, worry is a lot like quicksand. Has anyone here ever been stuck in quicksand? Anyone? No, I haven't either, but I've watched enough TV that I know what happens, right? If you're stuck in quicksand, what happens? The more you struggle, the what? The faster you sink, right? We all, we all know this because we're just really wise, right? And I think the same is true with worry. The more we worry, man, the faster we sink. And while you've never maybe been stuck in actual quicksand, you've probably been stuck in worry. Worry about paying the rent or putting gas in the car. Worried about what the doctor will say. Worried about what this divorce will do to you and your children. Worried about your education or your children's education, how you're going to pay for it. Worried about the weather, worried about traveling, worried about your spouse, worried about your house, worried about worry, just worrying altogether. The, the reality is when we worry, we're sinking in our worry and we need someone to pull us out. And Jesus understood this and, and he gives us a way out of the sand, a way to kind of make sure that we don't sink. And he commands us to stop focusing on the things and focus on the only thing that matters. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We are to seek God first. Simply put, we're to seek God first. Now, again, I realize this is easier said than done. So, so why? Let's look at that first. Why should we seek God first? Here's the reality, and, and this is convicting for me, and I, and I hope you hear me out as I say this. When we worry, it shows that we're not truly trusting God first. Instead of trusting, we worry. Jesus tells us not to worry. And, and now, there's many different ways that you could look at this word worry. It can mean distracted or anxious. It carries with it this idea of uh, giving something more thought 
than you should. It's not that you don't think about it. It's just that you give it more thought than you should. If you read the King James Version, if you grew up reading the King James Version of the Bible, this is one of those times, and I've told you how the NIV messes it up and other versions as well, but this is one of those times where the King James Version just really does a poor job when it says, take no thought for your life. Because that gives the impression that, that future planning is unnecessary. Over the years, many people have read that verse and they believe that Jesus was against career ambition or financial planning or even life insurance. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying don't think about the future. Instead, he's saying that you're just not supposed to fixate upon it. You can think about your life, but don't make that the thing that's the only thing. But to really answer the question why, Jesus in this text, I think, gives us four ways as to why we should seek God first. Four truths, if you will, as to what we are to do. And since last week I kind of delved into the English uh, sentence diagramming, this week I'm going to use some math symbols. So try to get an equal opportunity pleaser here at PCC. So the first one is this. Life and the body are greater than food and clothing. Life and the body are greater than food and clothing. Now this is an argument from the greater to the lesser. The life and the body are certainly more important than food and clothing. And who is it that gives our, us our lives and provides for us our bodies? Who gave us life? God, right? And, and if God is powerful enough to create life, Jesus is saying, isn't he also powerful enough to provide clue, clothing for us and food and sustain our life? Barnes, in his commentary on Matthew, says this, He who has displayed so great goodness as to form the body and breathe into it the breath of life will surely follow up the blessing and confer the smaller favor of providing that the body will be clothed and that life preserved. So the argument there is that your life and your body is more important than food and clothing, so don't worry about food and clothing because God gives you life and body. Second truth is this, that the birds are less than you. We see that in verse 26. Jesus uses the birds of the air as an example of how God will provide for you, and that's the reason why you shouldn't worry. But I find this example that Jesus uses here very interesting. Through the creation of the world and through nature and the way things are set up, God provides for the needs of the birds. But that doesn't mean the birds just kind of hang out on a tree branch and wait for things to happen, right? The birds are active. The birds are, are working, they're, they're working every day. They're gathering food and preparing the nest and caring for their young and doing the things that they are needed to do. But, but they don't overdo it. And that's where I think we could maybe take a lesson from the birds. They don't overdo it. I've yet to see a bird build a two-story nest or have a second nest for the weekends. Have you? One of the things that I find interesting is, is the more stuff we have or the nicer our stuff, the more we worry, right? The more we have or the nicer it is, the more we worry. In Luke chapter 12, we read the parable of the rich fool who decided to take his large harvest and instead of honoring God, he decided he would just build bigger barns and take life easy. And that very night, his life was taken from him. The example Jesus gives here is the argument from the lesser to the greater. You are certainly more valuable than birds and God provides for their needs Therefore, he will provide for you. After all, you are made in his image. You're redeemed through the sacrifice of Jesus. So so don't worry. Jesus doesn't want us to be distracted from those things, that one thing that's most important in life. The third truth we see in this text is that growth does not equal worry. 
If we want to grow, then we can't worry. Jesus illustrates the helplessness of man. Uh, There are many things in this life that we cannot uh, affect by worrying. For example, worrying will not make you grow any taller, right? I know middle school, high school, I worried about being tall enough, whatever that means, right? But I just wanted to be a little bit taller. And you worry about that. There's lots of things you worry about, but you can't make yourself any taller. The the text says, "Who who by worrying can add an hour to his life? By worrying, you think you're going to live longer? In fact, studies show the exact opposite is true. The more you worry, the shorter your life. So don't worry, right? Stop worrying. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting that, that worrying will not make us become more muscular or more fit, right? It will not cause my, I mean, someone's hairline to stop receding, right? Someone out there is surely struggling with that. It's not going to make us live longer. It's not going to make us be more productive. The implication of this truth seems to be that, that worrying about food and clothing cannot guarantee that you're going to have them tomorrow, so then why do you worry about it? Why, why is that something that you worry about? The fourth reason Jesus gives us not to worry is in verses 28 through 30, and I want to read those again if you follow along with me. It says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And the the point there is the lilies are congruent to, approximate to, whatever word you want to use for that symbol to you. Right? If God's going to provide for the lilies, he's going to provide for you. It's another great example of God's willingness to provide. Look at how the lilies grow, how they without any toil on their part, without any real effort on their part. No care is given to them by any human, and yet their glory surpasses that of Solomon. Jesus is trying to get his audience to understand that God is providing for them. He's making sure that that the things accomplish what they are to accomplish. And the same is true for you, and the same is true for me. If God is willing to take care of the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, is he not able and not willing to do so for you? We are created in His image. He created us to spend eternity with Him. So as we learn to trust God first, it's going to lead us to not worry about food and clothing. In in verse 32, Jesus is saying, you know, if you don't trust God, then of course you're going to worry about these things. That's what the pagans do. They don't trust God. But with God, because He loves us, because He knows what we need, we can trust Him. And we need to trust in His ability and his willingness to provide for us and that's the why answer to the question because God is faithful he clothes the lilies he looks after the birds and he's going to take care of you but again that's easier said than done right it's easier to hear that and to believe it's true than to actually put that into practice so how do we do that how do we seek God first well, that's what we've been talking about over these past several weeks. It's why we've been building on that firm foundation that we talked about from Matthew chapter 7, where we looked at the wise and the foolish builders. And our challenge and our responsibility is to hear the words of God and to take them seriously, and not just hear them and dismiss them and keep doing our own thing, but to hear them and to put them into practice, to apply them to our daily life. 
to build on that firm foundation. It's why we talked about what the Scriptures has to say about finances as we continue to seek to build that firm foundation. How when we look at the character of God, we see that God is a generous and a, and a loving God who gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have the hope of eternal life with Him. God's desire is for us to be like Him, to be generous and to hold things. And if you remember, we talked about this, to hold our life, to hold money, to hold possessions, to hold everything with an open hand, allowing God to remove and also to put things in our hands so that we can be a conduit through which God blesses and we bless other people and we allow him to work through us so that we can become more and more like him. And it comes down to a matter of trust. Do we truly believe and trust that God will meet our needs and will provide for us? And the challenge we said was, we're going to tithe. We're going to give 10%. We're going we're to try it for 90 days, and we're going to see what God does. And we're going to hold it with an open hand. And the first 10% of everything we receive, we're going to give back to God and, and see what happens. It's why, as we build on this firm foundation, we looked at living our life as interrupted. We looked at the Sabbath. We looked at Shabbat, which, as I told you, is one of my favorite words, to stop, to be interrupted. And what that means in our daily life. We learn that as God is holy, he's making us holy. That work is good and so is rest. Rest is an essential part to worshiping God. And it's one of the key things that Shabbat, that stopping does for us, is it allows us to be interrupted and allows us to get out of our own way so that we can see the needs of others and we have the opportunity to take care of them. And the challenge was for you to pray, to ask God to interrupt your life, to interrupt your ways so that you could gain a balance and focus on God and God alone. Last week, we talked about serving. Serving's a verb, and it's something you do, but God has called us to be a servant, which is a noun. It's who you are. One is an action. The other is an identity, and Jesus is calling you to identify with being a servant, to wash each other's feet, so to speak, to have that conversation with someone who really needs to talk, to listen, to really, truly listen in a world that really just seems to want to hear their own voice, we serve because we're a servant. Being a servant makes you more like Jesus. You become more loving. You become more whole. You, you become more like Christ. And people will want to know why it is you do what you do. And you'll have the opportunity to point them back to Jesus, which is what we're about, right? To help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ as we go and as we love and as we teach. It's what we're called to do. That's why we started the new year when we talked about the words of Paul from Romans chapter 12 when he says, do not conform yourself any longer to the pattern of this world. The Phillips version of of this section of Scripture says, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. And I like that because it's a powerful image of what we're not uh, uh, to allow the world to do to shape us to look like the world, but instead we are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good pleasing, and perfect will. You know, as a body of believers, we desire for those things to be true in our life. That's what we're striving to do, and we acknowledge that it's not easy to do. Because when you're in quicksand, man, it's hard to get out, isn't it? There are times when you feel desperate. There are times when you feel like the sand is surrounding you and that you're sinking. And in those moments, God is calling to us to seek Him first. 
See, here's the deal. The things that we worry about, all those things that were on the list, the things that you mentioned, the, the things that maybe you're worried about right now, all those things are typically the things that we want. But if we seek God first, He will give us the one thing because He is the thing that we need. This is where it gets real hard for me because I want to acknowledge that worry is a reality. But we don't have to be stuck in it. God has called us to love Him and to love others. And as a church, we want this to be a safe place where you can talk about your worries and your fears and your your anxieties. It's okay to have doubts and to have questions about God and about your faith and to struggle with who God is and what His plan is for your life and, and whether or not He's even there. Because the truth is, it may take you a long time to get out of your quicksand. It may be very hard to see what God is doing, and even to feel like God is, is even there. And as you're sinking, you wonder, God, are you there? And he feels like he's nowhere to be found. We realize this is not an easy fix. I can't offer you some type of you know, spiritual formula or do these three things and life will be grand. It just doesn't work that way. Because what I have to offer to you is not some formula. It's something much greater. It's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the best thing you could ever receive. It's the best thing we could offer to you. Because Jesus tells us that if we seek him, we will find him because he is not far from us. The reality is we can't get out of the quicksand on our own. And what we need is a hand. We need someone to grab a hold of us as we reach up and we grab a hold of them. We need to know that that's what Jesus does for us through his life and his death and his life again. He is, he's reaching out to us and he's saying, grab a hold of me as I grab a hold of you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We are not alone. And not only is God with us, but he's called us to walk beside each other as well. And as a body of believers... We want you to know that you're not alone. Worry, worry is real, and, and worry is difficult, and, and worry is all-consuming. Worry is quicksand. And there are times that you just need to talk to someone about that. You, you may need to go talk to a counselor or, or a doctor. You may need to, to receive treatment. There are things that can be done. And as a church, as a body of believers, we want to encourage you, and we want to help you, and we want to direct you, and and help you see that you don't have to be stuck in the quicksand. You can get a hand, and you can be pulled out, because as a body of believers, we want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We want to represent him well, and we want to walk beside you. And we want to try to demonstrate that in a practical way. In a few moments, the leadership team and the staff would love to have the opportunity to pray with you, just to, to spend time with you, to talk with you. And we're going to move into a time of response like we do every week, an opportunity for you to, to do business with God, to allow the, what God is doing in your heart and in your mind to, to do business with him and, and allow him to shape you and to mold you, to allow God to work on you. And to do that this morning, I want to direct you and invite you to do two things very specifically. The first one is this. Would you be honest with what you worry about? Would you be honest with yourself and would you be honest with God? 
maybe you need to write them, those things down. And then, you know, on your bulletin, there's things, opportunity, there's a space there. Just start writing them down. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe for you, what you need to do is, is to pray and just start pouring your heart out to God and saying, God, these, these are the things that I worry about. Maybe you need to talk to someone this morning, have someone listen to you and pray for you and encourage you. That's the first thing. I want you to be honest with yourself and be honest with God. The second thing is this. Would you wrestle in your life with what it means for you to seek God first, to put him number one with all the things in life? How do you make God the thing in your life? How do you seek him first? Guys are going to play for just a minute. And they're going to give you an opportunity just to sit where you are and to do business with God. And in that time, Maybe you need to pray, maybe you need to write, or maybe for you what you really need right now is to talk to someone. And I'm going to invite the the leadership team members that I talked to to come to the front, up here in the front row, or to make their way to the back if they're going to be in the back. And and we want you to know that, that as leadership team and staff, we're here for you. And so maybe during this time you want to get up and walk to the back or come up here to the front and just have somebody pray with you and talk to you and encourage you. We invite you to do that. We want you to do business with God and allow God to work in your heart and your life and do business with you. So this morning, you do your business with God right here, right now. Allow him to transform your life. And let's start right now.